Welcome to Into the Well. I'm your host, Ryan Wilms. I started this show as a place to share my experiences and my journey towards living authentically and mindfully, and also to learn from those who are truly walking the path, healing themselves and inspiring others. By balancing the mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual, we can learn to live in harmony with ourselves and our environment. We'll be exploring different tools and modalities used to create sustainable well-being for a fulfilling life. So thank you for joining me. Welcome back for another solo episode. Sitting here, the start of June, feeling actually more nervous than usual about doing this episode. I think with everything that's going on in the world with COVID and the racial issues and police brutality and the protesting and riots, it's been a pretty sort of volatile, heavy, emotional time. And for me as well, in my own world, and especially my inner world, it's it's actually been a really, really challenging few weeks for me um, personally. And part of me feels selfish about putting so much emphasis on that and and spending time worrying about myself or thinking about myself or trying to heal myself when there's so much going on in the world. Um, and it doesn't mean we can't do both. And in the end, if we don't heal ourselves and, and grow ourselves, it's pretty hard to have the positive impact we want to have in the world as well and, and make that lasting. So as much as we need to be public and and share, inspire, grow, educate, and, and act in a positive, constructive way in the outer world, we also still need to heal and grow our inner world so that we can truly make lasting change and generational change. And that's definitely something I've been wrestling with and finding the balance between that and leading up to this past weekend, it's, I was really struggling quite hard and feeling a lot of sort of tension in my body and my mind, um, just feeling this heaviness and, and really a lot of discomfort and dis-ease with my own self and, so I'm going to sort of share what's been on, going on with myself in terms of that and, and the threads that I've sort of been pulling at and exploring and some of the things that have helped me move through this each day through this process. Um, as I've shared a little bit in my men's group or with friends, I've heard a similar sort of echo of their own struggles and I suppose it's only natural given how much time we have to ourselves right now. And if we're sort of actively on this path and looking inward, then there's a lot less places to hide. Although the internet is a great place to get distracted as well. So I'm going to start kind of uh, last last solo episode. I, I referenced the ayahuasca ceremony I did in, in early March and I'm going to kind of go back to that because that's been sort of a huge light into what I've been dealing with the last few weeks personally. And at the time, it didn't seem like a massively significant part of it. But on the final night um, after the ceremony ended, I went over to my girlfriend's mat in her little area and kind of just caught up really briefly and lie down with her and this deep overwhelming sadness 
welled up from within me and I just began to sob and cry in a way that I haven't felt in years and years and probably a couple of decades, really. It was this deep sadness within myself for myself. And it wasn't to do with anything that happened. It was just really buried down emotion that I've been suppressing for years and years and years. And it was finally, I allowed it to come up and I needed to go through those ceremonies and a lot of the emotions that were holding them down. And then I also had to sort of allow myself to be held by my partner in that way because I haven't been able to hold myself with that sort of unconditional love so that I felt safe enough to let that up and let that emotion well up. And and in the moment, I could sort of see some of that. Um, but it was more so in the last probably three or four weeks when I really began to identify what happened that night and then what's been happening since. And um, it was, again, helped by uh, exercise we did in my men's group where it was about a 30 or 40 minute uh, anger processing exercise where we did some breathing and a little bit of movement involved with that, just really getting energy going and then yelling into pillows and expressing and sharing. And it was, um, it was really powerful for me. And after that, I felt this, this sadness sort of well up in me again. And that was when I sort of made the connection to the plant medicine ceremony, because during my ceremony, I had, a quite a bit of anger that had come up for me. And so I started to realize that it was this anger that I needed to process and let out of me so that I could start to access the sadness that was below it. And that process is scary, I would have to say. Um, It's uh, foreign territory in some regard and you just don't know what's going to come up and being somebody you know a typical nice guy by the way that dr robert glover in his book no more mr nice guy would describe a lot of my tendency is to avoid anger avoid avoid conflict not be direct not rock the boat be very agreeable speak my mind when when i need to and to get things done that I want to get done. But for the most part, especially when it comes to love from my parents or a partner or peers that I look up to, a lot of the time I'm trying to do what I think I need to do to get their validation, love, support, or praise. And and um, that is just not a very great pattern in the long run because it leads to suppressing whatever emotions are coming up and for me anger has been a big one and since I stopped playing team sports in my late 20s I really haven't had a place to express that um, at all not in a conscious way and even when I was playing sports it wasn't conscious I knew I was you know yelling at refs and teammates and other team on the soccer field or playing basketball and there was a serious you know, release involved in that, but it wasn't a conscious, you know, release of anger that I was putting out there. It was only more recently that that's become something I've been working on. So since that exercise in the men's group, I've made a point of 
daily if possible, screaming fuck you into my pillow as loud as I possibly can around 10 times. And after 10 times of doing that, you're pretty exhausted. And I could feel a weight off within my stomach, my shoulders, and a lightness sort of overtake me. And and from there, I could feel myself just feel more balanced and able to feel other emotions and view my thoughts and and beliefs a little bit more clearly. So it's been the way that I've been able to chip away at that anger and sort of release it a little bit at a time, um, you know, with what's been going on in the world and, and then reading more about sort of the pandemic and the science and, um, then sort of the systematic racial oppression, you know, that I know about, and I'm certainly not happy about it anytime, but especially as it's happening and reading more about it, you know, anger is coming up there. So, I think that's probably common with a lot of us, but you know, it's how, how do we, what do we do with that anger? And that's where sort of, you know, the looting is understandable because there isn't necessarily a clear and productive way for that anger to get expressed. So it comes out in that way. And, you know, we do that personally as well as culturally or in our society. So it starts with the individual anyway. So, I've made a point of trying to process this anger and yell into my pillow and just feel what comes up, see the images that come up in my mind, whether that's somebody's face specifically or an event. And and doing that, especially during the pandemic, when um, my girlfriend is in the house, that was even like a barrier to overcome. And that's part of it too, because one of uh, Dr. Glover's you know, key teachings in No More Mr. Nice Guy is that we grow up to believe that it's not safe to be who we are. It's not safe to be ourselves. It's not safe to express the whole gamut of emotions and feelings and ideas that we have. So we edit ourselves and edit ourselves and edit ourselves. And that's how we end up with chronic disease or illness or whatever it is, because we're we're burying these different pieces of ourselves because we we believe that if they're seen, then we're not going to be loved. So it's been a interesting process for me personally um, to be able to do that in a men's group in front of eight or nine other guys is certainly a barrier because it's uncomfortable to do to start with and to let loose and let that flow is really challenging in front of other people because that belief is so deeply ingrained. Um, and that's, you know, part of the magic of, of something like a men's group or a safe space like that, where it's okay to do it. And it's not only okay, but encouraged and supported so that then when I go take this practice outside of that safe space, I can now do it in my, in my home with my girlfriend in the other room and, and I'm safe. I can express anger in a healthy way and she understands what I'm doing and I feel better after. And she's even used it herself and felt better after. And, and it's really quite cool in a way because, you know, it's just, again, opening up these pieces of ourselves that you can never 
delete or take away. They just get sort of stuffed away in a closet or the basement of our ourself. And um, that's where they sort of fester and start to come out in more shadow behaviors or sideways negative expressions. So it's so important that we tap into these things. And the reality in my own experience is that there's a lot of layers to this, a lot of resistance in different ways. And and it's really hard to uncover. And the more I uncover it and process it and try to integrate these parts of myself, the deeper I see these beliefs and the more far-reaching the effects of them in my life. And that's really sort of what's been causing this deep, challenging heaviness and tension in my own life as I've gotten through some of this anger, tapped into some of the sadness. And it's a sadness for that process that I was really just describing, this like burying of pieces of myself and just kind of having this really clear feeling of like, what the fuck did I do to myself? Like, fuck, how did I do this to myself? And of course I understand how I did it to myself. And I understand that the way a child learns and grows and the influences of our parents and our society and now social media and all these things, it's really hard to not do that to ourselves. But part of that sadness is feeling the sadness for myself and not feeling sorry for myself, but just feeling sadness that I had that happen to me and maybe for me, but for whatever, however it's framed, it hurt me. And I just felt like, what the fuck did I do to myself? It wasn't that anything, anybody else did it because, you know, these beliefs are things that we create based on what we see in the world and our interpretation of them. And real trauma does happen without question, but it's how we process that with our minds and egos and our internal belief system that has the long lasting effects and causes the chronic pain and unwellness and dis-ease. So as I sort of got into this sadness, I could sort of begin to see myself a little bit more clearly and a little bit more clearly. Meanwhile, trying to still move my own self forward based on the beliefs that I have currently and the conscious and subconscious ones and just start to be like questioning, who am I really? And I've asked this before in different ceremonies and it's an evolving answer, I think, really, based on our own level and expansion and growth and ability, ability to comprehend the complexity of the universe within and the universe without. But asking that, like, who am I? What am I doing, you know? And part of it was, it's really, you know, career-focused, uh, in terms of what I want to be doing, having this idea of making how, a certain amount of money and doing a podcast or writing a book or doing coaching one-on-one, um, creating content that helps people you know, start to ask these questions of themselves and, and live a more healthy, well-balanced life. And I realized I'm doing these things. I'm already doing the things that I want to be doing. And I'm not making very much income from them yet, 
but I'm actually doing the things that I want to be doing. And I feel like a lot of the time, it's so easy to get sucked up into the pieces of that puzzle that we don't yet have. When really, if we look at the puzzle from a more zoomed out view, we've got most of the pieces in place a lot of the time. And when we do that, it's easier to see the bigger picture, of course, and those other pieces can fall into place a lot more easy rather than searching around for the wrong piece. And that ties back into the sort of the question of, of, of who am I? And, you know, I've been in this sort of creative industry for the last 10 plus years now. And so much of that work is an editing process and creating from what I know. And if I'm honest with myself, as proud as I am of a lot of the work I've done, a lot of it is really derivative and it's really just versions of what I've seen before. And maybe it's, um, you know, a better version of something I've seen or combining two different, very different ideas in a new way. And there's some element of newness to it or novelty, but in reality, it's still a derivative idea. And now as I start to visualize and journal and try to sort of manifest through meditation and other processes what my future looks like, what my career looks like, what my health looks like, what my body looks like, any of these things, I've begun to realize that it's the same, you know, way of creating that I've done in the past. And it's all based on what I've seen and know whether that's somebody's body I saw on Instagram or somebody's career that I follow. And each of these things individually are, can be great, you know, to look up to Paul check and what he's created and want to create some of that or Peter Crone or whomever the person is that's bringing light to the world and doing it in a unique, authentic way. Why, who doesn't want to do that? But rather than focus on myself and sharing what's within me, it's I find it at least a natural process to be like, okay, there's Peter Crone. He's doing that. I could do that, but add this to it. Or I could do what he's doing and add another twist to it. I see what he's doing, and I feel like I'm kind of doing that, but he's way further along in his career oh, but he's older than me. You know, in our minds, we can justify anything, twist anything, make it feel like we're doing something original or honest or authentic when we might not be. And I think that's why it's important to ask ourselves regularly, who am I? What do I believe in? What's in my heart and what feels right? And as I continue to do that and develop a higher and higher sensitivity to what feels right for me, honestly, those things are usually the hardest things to do because they're tied to the idea of something that I haven't done before. And if I do it, I might not be loved. It might not be safe to do that. And that's why we should do it. And that is so much easier said than done. And in the last three years, for myself, I've done so many things that I didn't think I would ever do 
things that I thought people would judge me for things that felt outside of my comfort zone, outside of my self-concept. And those have more often than not been the most powerful growing healing moments. And yet I still resist them when they come up now, even if they're not a big thing. And it's frustrating because at some point I felt like, okay, well, I've done this enough. It should just be second nature. But the deeper you dig into these beliefs, more often, usually subconscious beliefs that, you know, dictate so much of our lives, direction and choices and all that comes with that, it's harder and harder to undo them and face them head on and change them. And I don't want this to deter anyone from, from this path and this sort of inner work because on one hand, it's the most rewarding and it's the only possible way to shed the conditioning that we are burdened with to become our most authentic, pure, true selves. It's the only possible way. There's no way around it. And if that's what you want, if that's what you're looking for in your life to be as fulfilled and live the most rich experience you can possibly live, then that's that's the path forward. And anytime I question if this is what I want to be doing with my <laughs> with my energy and time, I've already submitted that there's no option. And especially having come as far as I've come already, there's no turning back. It's the only way forward. And from there, the only way to stay happy and enjoy it is to enjoy the beautiful present moment experiences that we have each day, be it a bite of food or a laugh or a hug, um, feeling the breeze, dipping our toes in the ocean, whatever those things are, listening to music, um, you know, there's so many beautiful moments of magic and experience that we can have each day. And those are the moments of freedom that we have access to because the journey of life is hopefully long and hopefully challenging and beautiful. But if we don't enjoy the journey, we're not going to enjoy much else because there's not really an end. Um, and I do find that cha- that hard Sometimes too. Sometimes I'm just like, give me a break. Let me fucking just feel perfect and uninjured and relaxed and sleep for 10 hours and wake up feeling the zest and wisdom and excitement for life that I feel as if I'm working towards. So it's hard, basically. And um, yelling into a pillow fuck you 10 times can really massively help as I'm finding out. Um, it really has been helping me to tap into my, my inner child and little Ryan, who I really do picture as this 10 to 12 year old boy playing little league baseball, obsessively counting my at bats and hits and batting percentage and ERA. And, you know, hoping that if I do well enough there, then then my parents are going to love me. But, you know, I had a lot of experiences, especially when I was pitching, but also batting, that I would just break down and start crying if I was losing control of the situation and just started bawling, like pretty hard to control. 
And my dad was my coach and, you know, he tried to manage it as best he could and as gently as he could, but there's just, he didn't know what to do to help me or, and my mom didn't. And we didn't really talk about it that much outside of, um, outside of the ball diamond. So it was like, you know, calm down, calm down sort of thing. Do I need to take you out of the game in the moment, which, you know, is just telling me, well, why you don't believe in me? You don't love me. But then, you know, never talking about it or developing tools outside of that experience that could help me when it comes up again. And, and that's not blaming anybody. That's just the reality of what happened. And, and so that was when I really started to learn, it's not okay to cry. It's not okay to be emotional. Um, I got to keep a level head. I got to keep it together and hold this stuff in. And then 25 years later, I can't go to the washroom because I'm so level-headed and good at holding things in that I'm holding my shit in all the time. And my body has learned that that's, you know, what it needs to do. I was watching a show recently and there was a great metaphor of, you know, when we experience a traumatic event like that and our body tenses up and all the hormones start shooting off and we get into the fight or flight feeling, you know, Physically, we experience that and then it sort of dies off. But emotionally, it would be like that moment happening and we clench our fist. And when that happens, we might clench our fists for 30 seconds, maybe two minutes even. But then imagine holding that fist for two hours. And what's this your hand going to feel like? How's it going to blood flow going to cut off and it's going to stop growing properly? But then imagine holding that fist for 20 years. And that's what we're doing to ourselves emotionally on the inside. And that does affect our physiology. And it's a powerful thought to think about because, you know, we don't just do that over one event. We're experiencing traumatic events or, you know, warnings or shocks to our system of, oh, don't do that. I'm not going to get loved. Or that person did that and they're not getting loved. I better beware and not do that as well. And... So we're tightening a thousand fists over decades and holding them as long as we possibly can. And sadly, that sort of shuts down these different parts of us inside and makes us afraid to be ourselves. Um, after I had been doing some of this anger processing and yelling for a week or so, um, I've been watching a bunch of Pixar movies and animated films, and I watched Inside Out. And the movie is absolutely amazing. And I was probably crying within five minutes of it starting. And pretty consistently throughout as the little girl started shutting down her different sort of centers within herself, her like goofy personality, her playfulness, her family, her love for hockey, and just slowly shutting these down. And um, the key to reopening these centers was being able to accept sadness and be sad and be sad was her key to joy. And it was just such a beautiful movie and, and message just saying like, it's okay to be sad. You don't need to bury the sadness anymore and you have to feel the sadness. Otherwise it's gonna, it's gonna hurt us. And, um, yeah, it was, it was really a beautiful film and, beautiful message. And so that's something I've been trying to 
tap into as much as possible and, you know, doing this anger work and in meditation, trying to connect with my inner child and then watching some of these movies that are, you know, beautiful messages and, and gentle and how they show them has really helped as well. But after watching that movie, I just broke down and I cried so much and just, again, was feeling that sort of like, what have I done to myself over all of these years? And thinking about like how I've become almost sort of obsessed with healing my my stomach and digestion and feeling good and figuring out what diet and trying to sleep better and exercise and all these things. And it's just like, you know, relatively positive ways of, you know, trying to be healthier. But in reality, I'm just like obsessed with the dealing with the symptom that burying the sadness has caused me. And it feels in sort of a a weight off my shoulders to see that, but also just like disheartening to feel how twisted I can take that inner belief and manifest it into this physical problem and then become obsessed with the physical problem and turn that into part of my identity, which, you know, all of this needs to come crumbling down. All of this needs to get shed and, and this conditioning, this sort of like scaffolding I've built around myself is just needs to come off because as I feel this way and I feel I can't heal my stomach really, you know, that then contributes to like, I don't feel valued or worth being a health coach because I can't even heal myself and sowing all these seeds of self doubt and, you know, just reinforcing the belief that it's not safe to be myself and it's not okay. But by starting to feel and understand that it's okay to be sad, it's okay to be angry, and then allowing these emotions to come up from the depths from which they've been buried and then, you know, felt as they come up in my in my daily life and feel them and not bury them, it started to sort of lighten the load, I would say. Coincidentally, I also just started watching the new series on Gaia TV called Transcendence. They just released their second sort of series of five episodes and almost the exact same metaphor is used as what's outlined in, in Inside Out by um, somebody called Artie Wu. And uh, the episode's called Recovering Your True Self. The whole series is really, really great. But the way that we sort of have these different parts of ourselves and we put them in a closet or we shut them down to try and keep ourselves safe and how that hurts us in the long run is just, it's so, so true. And another thing that came from that episode was this uh, saying that you have to feel it to heal it. And um, it's, it's so corny and I would have laughed at it not long ago, but it's just so true. If we ignore and deny these feelings and emotions, we're not going to be able to heal the root cause. And if we don't heal that root cause, we're not going to be able to ever truly heal however it's manifesting, be it anxiety, stress, our career, financial, finding the relationship we want, having the career we want, just all of these things. Um, so we absolutely do truly need to feel it to heal it. And I'm trying to do that as much as I can 
lately. Feel it and hopefully heal it. And uh, I can feel this sort of tension in my body and mind loosening in the last few days, but it's uh, very interesting in terms of how that's shown up and how it's showing up massively in the world right now as well. Something else that came up that I thought was funny, somebody was talking about sort of the golden rule and treat others how you'd like to be treated. And obviously that's, you know, a classic saying and it's, it's wonderful and it's, it would be wonderful if that's how everyone in the world acted. But even more than that, something that they don't say is to treat yourself like you'd want to be treated. And that's something that so many of us don't do. Don't just treat others how you'd like to be treated, but treat ourselves how we'd like to be treated. And that might be treating ourselves how we treat other people. You know, it can be easy to love a dog unconditionally or a child unconditionally or maybe even our partners unconditionally. But it's so much harder to turn that same type of love and form of love on ourselves. And it's a daily process for sure. And, you know, again, that's just tied into learning to feel. And and there's... a really interesting sort of difference, I guess, between spiritual and physical pain. And I feel like they get convoluted so often and the physical pain is sometimes the manifestation of the spiritual pain. But the spiritual pain is more holistic. It's the frustration and anger and disconnection that we feel so often. The physical pain is just, you know spraining your ankle or your knee or maybe eating too much of something you shouldn't be eating. But the more we learn to listen to ourselves and listen to our, our bodies, the more we're able to just, just to distinguish the two. And the more we're able to identify the spiritual pain and tension, and that can be anxiety or stress or not sleeping or something in our bodies that's generally chronic. Um, if it's chronic, then I would seriously start to ask yourself, you know, what is this connected to? What's out of alignment with my values and my beliefs? What is not happening in my life that I want to be happening? And why do I want that to be happening? Who am I really? And, um, you know, I feel like I'm just now starting to understand this and focus a little bit more on the spiritual, emotional healing and just allowing those emotions. And it's, um, you know, practices like mindfulness and meditation and how important those are to this. I mean, it's almost impossible to to go through this process without a mindfulness and awareness practice and evolving that level of awareness to negotiate these new challenges and navigate the subconscious. Um, you know, that's just foundational. Um so I still highly encourage that and and creating that practice for ourselves. But then beyond that, you know, being able to identify the subtleties is, is so crucial. And um, I just finished reading Siddhartha again. It's one of my favorite books. And it's just such a beautiful story. And it's not even like that much of a metaphorical story. It's pretty clear on on his process and, you know, we have to feel pain to grow 
from it and to heal it. He goes off and leaves his friends and his family and great teachers and, you know, makes these choices to go into the unknown and experience new things. And with each of those things, he develops amazing tools and skills and insights, but he also becomes too immersed in those worlds and then develops harmful habits or tactics as well. So he has to create that pain to be able to heal it and grow. And with each stage of the life that he goes through, it's an increasing level of listening that allows him to continue to grow and evolve and heal these different areas of pain. And it's this river that sort of is one of the great teachers in the book that just sort of unifies all that is in the universe. And, you know, he's able to communicate that through his own self in the very end in such a beautiful way because, and that's, you know, that's what's there for all of us. We're all that sort of river of the universe. We all have everything within us, good, bad, dark, light, beauty, danger, anger, sadness, and um, it's embracing all that is the river within ourselves that allows us to be ourselves. And we have to slowly more and more be ourselves and do those things that we resist and that feel uncomfortable so that we can prove to ourselves that it is actually safe to be ourselves. And it is actually how we will be loved truly by being vulnerable and by being authentic is the only way that we will get the love that we are trying to get by not being ourselves. And that's the the sort of trick of life in a way is being able to see that a lot of our beliefs and behaviors are trying to get this you know, unconditional universal love, but all the defense mechanisms we've created to help us get that are the things that are stopping us from actually experiencing it from others and from ourselves. So, so just do that. It only takes an entire lifetime and more. So now what, how do I keep moving forward with this? And part of it was doing this, this podcast episode. I wanted to do it two weeks ago. It was on my calendar, but I felt like I wasn't ready. And, you know, I finished reading No More Mr. Nice Guy for the second time, which is really such a powerful book, which dives into the, these issues and offers some practical exercises for how we can begin to chip away at them. Siddhartha, a more poetic story about this process, but very much echoing the same thing. And I'm now feeling like, okay, I'm finally in a place where I can share my experience over the last month, especially where it's been this increasingly challenged agitation and inner conflict and inner tension that's just been rising and rising. And, you know, I spend so much time at home now with, with my partner and girlfriend and she sees it as well. And, you know, she will lovingly point it out and tell me some of the things she might be, that she thinks are contributing to it. And, you know, my first reaction sometimes is, is a little bit angry and I managed to keep that part inside myself and express it in a more productive way. But, you know, I don't necessarily want to hear that, that I'm not doing good enough. (laughs) At least that's how I internalize it. But I know she's just trying to help me see what I can't see. Um, 
so you know having that that mirror in in such a beautiful loving way is so powerful and and i appreciate that but you know i have to see it for myself because it's impossible to do something and fix something or heal something if i'm not aware of it so that's the first step and then i need to feel into that before i can heal it so that's where the the yelling to pillows really helps watching some of these movies like inside out really helps meditation really helps journaling is is amazing the men's group and and some of this reading that i'm doing currently um has been really helpful too i think i'm gonna try and do a solo mushroom ceremony at home in the coming weeks as well um step up the dosage a little bit, go with an eye mask and some music and really try to go within and tap into the question of who am I, tap into the sadness, tap into a deeper inner truth and then hopefully continue to do things like this podcast episode and some of the video content that I want to do that feels very authentic and feels very right to me, not based on what I see other people doing, not based on what seems like a good look in terms of the wellness industry or design or anything other than what feels right to me, what helps me and what I am inspired to share from our true inner place. And it's only going to be by doing those things that I can step into this true self and be the sort of radical man that I've known I want to be. It's just really fucking hard to be it. It's really hard. It's so fucking hard. And each step I make, it's like the quicksand gets a bit quicker or the mud gets a bit thicker and it's just like harder to keep moving. Um, You know, there's a million metaphors for that experience, but it's just the reality. The deeper in, the harder the journey gets, but it's just how the journey goes and there's no other way to do it other than to do it. So I just need to keep disproving this belief that it's not safe to be myself and by going outside of my comfort zone and asking myself what's really true and allowing new beliefs to form and those new experiences to reaffirm the new beliefs that I am still loved and that I am worthy and that I am a good person. Well, I don't know, whatever the beliefs are, you know, really just that nothing is wrong with me and that I'm loved, you know, at the core, those are the things for, for basically everybody. And then they just manifest in a wide varying degree. Now, I feel like I also need to briefly talk about what's going on in the world with all of the protests and riots. And, you know, I find that this relates very directly. I was lying in bed last night thinking about this and and how it's just a much bigger version of what I have just been talking about within myself. Um, being Canadian, I feel a strange relationship to America, especially right now, having grown up and not really studied its its history and its past and just having learned from some reading and some documentaries and things like that, but certainly not being a specialist on America's history as a whole or the systematic oppression that's been going on here for forever, starting probably with uh, conquering a lot of the indigenous people that lived here and, you know, 
rooting out their practices and their ways and their cultures to more relevantly right now, you know, slavery and, and the oppression of, of um, African-Americans and black communities for, for 400 years. And it's just always been like that, which is heavy and sad to, you know, say and, and talk about is just as long as America has existed, it's been systematically oppressing a whole race of people and it's just so terribly unhuman and unfair and a hard pill to swallow because how do you fix that you know something you know an inner belief that we have with ourselves that we created when we're five years old and now being 35, I've held on to this belief for 30 years. And finally, I can start to unclench that fist and maybe ice my hand a little bit and start to pick things up again, start to, you know, give it a couple kisses, let it hold my other hand or somebody else's hand, you know, and nurse it back to, to life and reintegrate it with the rest of my body, you know, doing that with an entire culture or race that's had that fist clenched for over 400 years, not by their own choosing either. You know, for myself, when I had a trauma or something happened when I was young, I chose to create that inner belief and that, that, that's that hurt and that wound. I, I created that wound for myself, but you know, nobody chose to be a slave. Nobody chose to come to America hundreds of years ago and be treated like a subhuman. And, you know, we also do that with animals and plants and forests and the ocean as well. You know, those are massively important pieces of this greater puzzle that we also need to honor, but we really do at least need to start with all the human beings, at least. If we can't treat all the human beings with respect and humanity, then how are we going to take care of animals and plants in the ocean? It seems really challenging. Um, But of course, like I said with myself, it's one day at a time and it's the journey. We have to start on the journey and awareness is, you know, needed. And and a lot of education needs to happen and needs to be shared. And it seems to be on on, uh, Instagram, social media and the internet and there's online courses now and there's some really good documentaries to to educate ourselves and understand the the complexities to, because it is such a complex matter but you know this sort of idea that if we bury problems and ignore them and try to manipulate them or use band-aids to try and pretend we're dealing with them it's just going to come up eventually and cause disease within ourselves it's going to cause it's causing disease within our our society within our world and we as human beings want to be in harmony with ourselves with our community with nature with our universe and if we fight our natural harmony and our natural way of existing we're going to get sick and we are very sick right now and Sadly, there's way too many people that don't even know that we're sick or are in such crazy denial that we're sick. And a lot of those people have a lot of power. And I certainly do not know how we're going to change the systems that are reinforcing the sickness. 
but we have to try. And it's going to be a generate multi-generational journey, but it needs to go a lot faster and progress more. And there needs to be more unity and more energy put into it than there has been so far, because there is not a lot that's gotten a lot better in the last 30 years. If you look at what happened in LA in 92, and you look what happened in the mid sixties, it's not that different. And you learn about the policies and the prison systems and the way that the government really and funded by a lot of the larger capitalistic organizations and sort of partnered with the government have reinforced these things and made them worse. It's a lot to undo. So it's going to take a really big tidal wave to make a dent in this. And I'm really hoping that as a group, as a community, as a society, we can we can be a part of that wave. And that as individuals, we also do that for ourselves. Echoing back to what I was saying in the beginning is we have to do this work for ourselves. We have to look at our anger. We have to look at our sadness. We have to look and ask who we are. Who am I? What's important to me? And ask each other these questions as well. Um, in the ceremonies that I was at in March, one of the facilitators, who's this amazing woman, so strong, and she can be amazingly gentle, but she can be incredibly blunt. And going into the last night, it was a heavy set of ceremonies for everyone. And there was a guy and he was sharing his intention and and the facilitator was like, you know what? I just, I wonder if you know who you are because I don't know who you are. You're a happy, smiling guy. You seem to please people, but I don't know if you know who you are. And maybe that's an intention for you tonight. And it was just like kind of jaw dropping, you know, to confront somebody with the revelation that they don't know who they are. Um, might not always go over well if you walk down the street and start throwing that out there, but in the right environment, it can be a powerful piece of medicine. And it's really important that we start to ask ourselves, who am I? And what do I believe in? And what can I do about it? And at least by creating a deeper sense of awareness and healing within ourselves, we're going to naturally be more compassionate, more empathetic, and caring about all other human beings, but beyond that, animals and plants and the ocean and the environment, you know, because we also rely on these elements. We come from them and we're going to go back to them. And without them, we couldn't exist and won't exist. So there's a holistic change that needs to happen. And it's hard to see a, a solution to the big problems, but Hopefully, by making progress each day, we as individuals and we as a race of human beings can do better. And the more we teach the new generations of people positive things, new ideas of love, transcendence, caring, that it's okay to be ourselves, that we're valued, and showing each other those ideas, showing proof of that by how we act, you know, we'll be able to do some, some big healing through that. So it feels like a lot about the same sort of idea, but it's just been so heavy on me recently. 
felt like I had to share it. It felt like it was relevant with what's going on in the world. And this, you know, recovering our true selves, getting back to, you know, harmony with, with the nature of human beings. It's all within us. It's within all of us. You know, our truest self with all the wisdom of the universe is already within us. It's just deconstructing the negative conditioning and self-beliefs that we've created over years and centuries as a society that we need to personally take down and heal from. And we need to feel it to heal it. So with everything that's going on right now with myself, I'm really trying to feel it. And I think with everything that's going on in the world right now, we need to really feel that as well. And we can start to heal it. One of the other tools that I've started to tap into with my own self, you know, and it's something that almost every human is attuned to is music. And that's because, you know, our bodies are made up of vibrating cells and music is vibrations and it's a powerful, powerful medicine and way of connecting and storytelling and sharing. And it's a part of myself that I've certainly shut down for many years, even though I've loved the idea of playing an instrument or learning the piano or something like that, you know, previously it was more because it seemed like a romantic, beautiful thing to do and would be another notch on my cool guy belt. But now it's more about expression and getting out of my mind. Um, actually, the day I received this this instrument at Sansula was on my birthday and uh, my girlfriend and I had taken some mushrooms and she gave it to me about three quarters of the way through and I started playing it. And I had this very clear thought that it was it was nice to not be thinking about what I'm thinking about. And on one side, it was sort of a funny revelation in terms of where a mindfulness practice can go. You know, we can become so aware and so mindful of everything that we're doing that we're not only just thinking a lot, but we're thinking about what we're thinking about. And I tend to do that a lot. You know, it's okay, this is what I want to do, but why do I want to do that? What belief is that tied to? And is that really what I want to be doing? You know, which is, can be productive, but can be exhausting as well. So starting to play this instrument was a really beautiful way for me to not be thinking about what I'm thinking about. So I'm going to finish this solo episode with a couple minutes of me playing my new Sensula, um, and hopefully you enjoy it. Thank you very much for listening today. I'll be back again soon.
hope you enjoyed this episode. Whether you listen to it on Spotify, Apple, or through our website, it would be great to hear your feedback and thoughts. If you're able to leave a review, it'll really help us share the message and share the podcast with more people. Thank you.